There are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. What? Stage 12 was always going to be a devastating day for most of the peloton. The weather was warm, the mountains were relentless, and Sky was primed for inflicting some pain. Dutchman Steven Kruiswick was sixth after stage 11, but decided he didn't want to sit by and let Sky dictate the race, so he took off on the Col de Madeleine in an attempt to shake up the race. The carnage of the day rippled through the peloton as sprinter after sprinter abandoned, and Sky got some unusual help from Movistar. On the climb, the spectators were out in force, and even the French were doing their bit to racially profile the partiers. But in all their efforts to restrain the crowd, it went for naught as former winner and potential hopeful was down in a haze of smoke and eventually a non-starter for tomorrow. In the end, the top three for Stage 11 made a mere result for Stage 12, with Alpduez creating the chaotic and amazing cycling stadium we've come to expect. Coming up, Stage 12 Recap 2018, Tour de France. Welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host, Tyler Yonke, coming to you for Stage 12, July 19, 2018. And we're going to cover one of the, maybe the queen stage of the tour, a lot of action that went on today. And we'll cut right to the chase. Uh, as Borg Saint-Maurice to uh, El Updewez, 175 kilometers. We started out at um, about... Well, there's an HC category climb. There's a Cat 2. We had a sprint spot in the middle. We had another HC, and then another HC ended up uh, out the Wes at 13.8 kilometer climb at 8.1%. But let's go through some of these climbs because the Col de Madeleine came around 53, the summit of that, at 53.5 kilometers into the day. But that climb itself was 25.3 kilometers at 6.2%. So the Col de Madeleine is a long one. Uh, we had several long ones for today. That wasn't the long. That wasn't actually the longest one for the day, which was a Croix de Four at 29k, 5.2%, uh, and it was a brute. It did have a little descent in the middle of it, but uh, and then in the meantime, you had a little 3.4 kilometer, 8.2% Cat Two in a sprint spot. So. All that leads up to wearing the riders out, coming into Alpe d'Huez, the famous climb, 13.8 kilometers uh, at 8.1%, ending of the day, which we had probably, you know, one of the, wearing the riders out and uh, getting them to the spot where you're going to see the fireworks up the last climb. And we'll just cut right to it. Stephen Kreuzwick comes in and decides basically to take on the day and see what he can do to put Sky in difficulty. Now, his intent, he said, was to actually take on and make the uh, get the win for the day. But the way he rode after he was actually eventually caught, which we'll get to, uh, puts it into the mind that he still has a lot to give. And actually, if he had done things a little bit, if, if he was able to actually work it a little bit better, he would have been able to maybe put Sky in a little bit better uh, difficulty. You had... He took off on a climb. Let's just recap the day for um, what we had going into the start. So stage 11, 162 riders were eligible for the start. Rigoberto Uran basically has too much, uh, in, too many injuries, and he's not able to take it on for today. So 161 of them line up. Uh, as far as the jerseys go, you have Julian Alaphilippe still in the polka dot jersey. Uh, the sprinter's jersey, Peter Sagan, newly announced, uh, separating from his family. Um and then you have the best young rider jersey, Pierre Latour. 
And uh, that's going to change up on the day. GC, Garrett Thomas, best team, movie star, and Lantern Rouge coming in Lawson Craddock, 210 behind. Uh, notables, we still have all the Americans in there. I'm not going to break down where they're at because they're all far back. So instead of waiting for the final punch of the summit of Alptuez, uh, the Dutchman basically rides into the break, gets up on the Col de Madeleine, then he showed he was really bold and riding away from his breakaway companions. You had Alejandro, Alejandro Valverde, a movie star, Pierre Roland, an EF education, Warren Barguia, a Fortune Ale Samsic, and then you had Skyled Peloton coming after him. Uh, Kreuzik enters basically the uh, Madeleine. He also had Hessink up there with him. And what I, I'm curious is with the long valley between the Col de Cordefer and the Alpe d'Huez, if he had not been better off to basically have uh, those guys with him. So he goes over, the he comes into the court affair and he takes off and he comes over the top somewhere around the five-minute range and he has a long valley ahead, which is notorious for having, um, it's notorious basically for having a, a large headwind and he basically takes it on himself and he gets his gap up to around the six-minute range. I think that's what it was when he went over the, the quarter four. And then when he enters the uh, Alpe d'Huez, he has about 420 on the field. Now, he's a good climber, so we'll see how that goes for him. But basically, up the climb, you then, Kwiatkowski is on the... T- on the. Let's go back just a little bit. So you had Movie Star uh, come to the front once Kreuzwick dumps everyone out. And he comes up to them and or movie star does they take the, the to the front and they start doing a lot of the work for um sky uh similar to what nibbly's team did yesterday when they were basically helping out on the front i don't see the point of any of them doing that and i'm curious as to why i think maybe these teams they get in this rut of not going for the win but they go for a podium so they say oh uh, sixth place, you have um, Kreuzwick. He's creeping up on, on ours, or he may displace us from the top five or maybe even getting into a podium. And so, therefore, we're going to help chase. Because the problem is they come into the Alpe d'Huez, and there's four Sky Riders left, just four. And of those four, they have Thomas, they have Froome, they have Kwiatkowski, and they have Egon Bernal. Egon Bernal is kind of an unknown as far as what he can do in the tour. He had kind of had a bad day yesterday. Uh, so quick cost. And, and uh, you know, do, um, Thomas actually says after the fact that, uh, you know, Kreuzer put them in a lot of hurt because he was the virtual leader on the day. Came in, I think it was one something off the lead. So there was a good chance that Sky was going to have to, you know, chase him down. So you come into the climb. Kwiatkowski hits the bottom. Uh, he doesn't go for very long and he's pulled off. So now you've got Bernal. Now Bernal puts on a show, ends up, pulling for around eight kilometers, uh, which does, I mean, it was pretty stellar. And you had, it was interesting to see the other Colombians, uh, Quintana would, would take off and Bernal would just keep the pace as Sky does. They just lock it in at a certain range and keeps reeling him back. So he actually did his job quite well. But at 5K to go, you were just down to Froome and Thomas. So you think if uh, Kreuzwick had done gone over the pass with a teammate, you know, and you see this with Alptuez when they've had other, Andy Hampson in 92 winning, he did it. He was in a long day break and, and the win the day, be, or not the win, but uh, a group the day before. Then they come into the Alptuez and he gets in a break again 
and he they have five or so minutes coming into the bottom, but he's in the group of about four or five, and they whittle it down to three. He's got those guys helping him. So all along that Valley Road, there was a lot of matches that he did not have to burn, and he ends up you know holding on for the win. Even in that day, I believe that was still, um, that was the day, and we'll actually talk a little bit about that too, Jean-Francois Bernard banging on the back, uh, on the front there, uh, pulling up his teammate in um, uh, Miguel Indurain. Anyway, that... That was a time where, and you can see that with other ones where they've been able to stay away when there's a group that's able to go into the bottom and then they don't have to, to burn all their matches. And Kreuzwick in this chant, this term, he uh, he didn't end up doing that. So he might have been able to put Sky in a little bit more difficulty. Then you had up the climb. Uh, Kreuzwick is, is getting reeled in. Bardet is attacking. You have Bardet, Roglic, Nibali. Uh, Froome, Thomas, uh, Fuglesong's hanging on. He gets kind of dropped in and out. Landis yo-yoing back and forth. Dumoulin's still there. And they get through Dutch Corner, which we'll uh, discuss a little bit uh, as well. And then the roads uh, kind of creep in right as uh, Kreuzwick's getting caught and they're going through a cloud of smoke. Uh, the, the the whole field kind of has to collapse in around the uh, the crowd and Nibali goes down as Froome's attacking. Now, Froome's attacks didn't seem all that potent today. Uh, they were able to, to bring him back. You know, you've seen that before where he just winds up the motor, takes off, and next thing you know, he's not able to, no one's able to catch him, and he's able to take off. So maybe, And, and you also saw Dumoulin doing a very nice job uh, being able to pull him back. I also saw where Thomas looked to be uh, going onto the front right out when Burnell pulled off, uh, which may, might show that... He is actually working for Froome, but that's going to be a really interesting situation. So you end up getting over the top, comes together. It's uh, and you get a little little play cat and mouse here with Thomas Dumoulin, Bardet, and Froome. Uh, out of that field, I'm suspecting Thomas does have the best kick for that kind of finish, and he ends up winning it. Dumoulin makes comments in the press afterwards that he blew it to a little shift problem and let Thomas get away from him. But uh, I thought Tom, I thought Dumoulin looks very good today. Uh, Landa was just off the back. You had Rodlich. So the top here, you have Thomas, Dumoulin, Bardet, Froome all at the same time. Actually, and they, they're given a little time gap here to Thomas, uh, Dumoulin, two seconds, Bardet, three seconds, Froome, four seconds, Landa, seven. So Landa, Rodlich, uh, Nibali, they were all coming back as as uh, Thomas was kind of attacking. Uh, Fugelson, then 42, Quintana. So here's some some of the big ones. Uh, Quintana, 47. Kreuzwick, still 53 seconds, which is pretty amazing. Bernal, 141. Martin, 145. Zacharin in the four-minute range, along with Valverde, Latour, and Dan, uh, sorry, uh, Guillaume Martin was at 440. Uh, some of the other big losers on the day, Warren Bargui, 10 minutes. Uh, Rafa Micah, 15 minutes. Uh, TJ, not that we matter anymore, but uh, Balkamalama, they were on a group of 22 minutes back. So your overall look right now is uh, Thomas Froome at 139, Dumoulin 150, Nibali 237. But Nibali ended up going to the hospital getting his uh, self his back x-rayed and I guess he cracked a vertebrae or fractured a vertebrae so he's out of the race uh, that race that crash looked very um, at first it was thought that maybe he hit a motorbike but on uh, closer inspection uh, my our podcast host here Chris and Kurt uh, ended up breaking it down a little bit and we we're able to see that basically um, the uh, the the, the the motorcycle didn't end up knocking him down. Is what ended up he caught a fan on the side, and so he went down. He did a little bit of Lance Armstrong on the how to come. Um, so 
Okay, some winners and losers for today. Obviously, Stephen Kroiswick, uh, his stature, stature in the sport. I mean, it, he had an amazing day. He took on the Big Sky team, which I think is the only way you're really going to be able to do this is to try to wear them down um, bit by bit. I don't know if actually hitting these guys where it hurts on the climbs like you saw with uh, Roland. I'm not sorry, not Pierre Roland. Um, Bardet and some of these and Quintana, they just don't. It just doesn't do it unless maybe you get a real steep climb, which you might get in the Vuelta, but I don't think we're going to get those in the Tour. Um, another winner is going to be any of those uh, sprinters out there that end up staying connected and making the time cut. You've got Demar, I think Kristoff uh, is still in there. Um, you have Sagan still in there, but we lost a lot of sprinters. Some of those gone today that didn't make the time cut. Well, um, Calvin just didn't start. Neither did Kittle. Then you have Greipel, uh, Gronewagen, Gaviria, all the Gs. Uh, they failed to to finish the states. Yates uh, was 75th at 228.54. Not a sprinter, but just going through some of the losers there. Uh, but those were the ones. So too many too many to mention for the losers. Iran, like I said, didn't make it. Um, all those sprinters that got pulled out. So it will be interesting in the next few days what you're going to have. Who's going to be sprinting? And who are some of those lead-out guys that maybe think that they have a chance now? And they might be able to go for it. All right, some things that make you go, hmm. Well, Stephen Kroizek's move today, uh, it was pretty cool to see. And he, and he did put a spark kind of into the day's racing and taking away some of that boring factor that Sky just seems to inject. And it also makes me wonder what his actual intentions were today, like I said. When he was caught just a few K to go, he continued to push on and he only lost 53 seconds in the end to the overall GC uh, winner and uh, the winner on the day. This would make you think that he's maybe still looking for the GC pitcher. Well, I think that's good because it gives his team still a chance. Roadlich is still in there in six. I think Roadlich is in sixth place now. So you still got a great chance for that. Uh, it was nice to see. I, like I said before, I wish he would have hung on with uh, Gessink and some of those other guys. But in the end, he got the most combative prize, and he, it was uh, pretty impressive to see. Uh one other thing, the times up up Duez, you looked at those today. There was a uh, the the winning time for Thomas would place him 109th overall. So his time was 41.16 compared to Pantani, which got a 36.50 in 1995. Now there's multiple factors that come into play as to why these times would be different. Obviously, there's the drug issue. Um, I guess you can still think that uh, Thomas is perhaps you know fueled as well. Uh, but if you just take a look at like Pintani or even Lance Armstrong, he had a fast time up there. Uh, it was a time trial, so they hadn't done, you know, he warms up and goes up there on the time trial, the, the, the peak performance. You don't have this necessarily with today where they went over massive mountain passes. And so, it, but is that a four minute difference? Perhaps. Um, but it's also interesting just to see, uh, the difference. It's cool to see the list of those different writers and some of those ones in the middle there, you know, Levi's got some strong times and Tyler Hamilton. Um, I've always mentioned is, you know, the drug field days where Hamilton's basically in an arm sling going up, uh, that climb and they're, they're shooting haymakers at each other and, uh, really hitting it. Everyone's just attacking like crazy and they, they keep going. You don't see that as much. And maybe, maybe it's drug fuel. Maybe the, the, it's cleaner racing now. I don't know. All right. Uh, Egan Bernal. So, he had an impressive day. Uh, Cycling Tips editor Neil Rogers was basically saying, um, he, he said, remember this moment when Bernal is winning his ninth Tour de France. This was, he was done as uh, Bernal was tapping out the rhythm on the front uh, of the race, doing those 8K up the Alpe d'Huez. I think mean, he could be right, 
But, you know, cycling lore is just littered with potential next tour, grand tour winners that might have achieved greatness. Uh, I remember back in 1987, you have uh, the, the tour does a bunch of time trials and they go up Mont Ventoux. And at Mont Ventoux that day, they had uh, the winner was Jean-Francois Bernard. They did a time trial up there. He wins it. He's the king of France, basically. He's this going to be the next Bernardino. He's really young. Um, he ends up not winning the tour that year. And matter of fact, he just kind of falls off. But he he does some impressive things along the way. He ends up being a teammate of Indurain. And you can go back in 1992 and watch him, or I'm sorry, 1991, and you can watch him going up to Wes, drilling it on the front just like um, Bernal was today. So look, we never know what's going to happen with these riders. He's 21. He may be the next great thing, but a lot of people have been Roy Nickman. He was going to be the next Greg LeMond and he is just the next Roy Nickman. So you never know. And the last issue for the day is how the French treated the Dutch at the tour. You know, there's a thing called Dutch corner. There's all kinds of corners now where these uh, groups get to party. There's a Dutch corner, a Polish corner. There's a Welsh corner. The Irish corner was uh, kind of Talked about by Dan Martin beforehand. I saw pictures of it uh, as the race was going on. Pretty desolate. Um, evidently, the fans weren't quite up there like they had been. But um, I heard Kay, uh, Kaylee Fritz talking about going and visiting Dutch Corner. And basically, they had roped off part of the road well, so the fans couldn't get to the road. So they were making a concerted effort. But he said what was interesting is next year, the Dutch, Dutch were kind of pissed off about this. And they said, next year, we're just going to do a uh, an app everyone's going to join in. We're just going to change the corner. We're going to go to a different spot because right up above their corner and right below their corner, there was no restrictions. And one of the Dutch guys is like, hey, look, we're, we're very sensible uh, cycling fans. The, the French that have the problem, they're the ones that cause all the, all the problems. They were, they were doing all kinds of stuff here last night. And what was interesting today, you saw in the race, the, it wasn't Dutch corner that caused the wreck. It was a different one. And I don't know if it was a French corner or what, but uh, someone took down Nibali and they took him down at an inopportune time. And in doing so, um, you know, they kind of give everyone a bad name, especially the cycling fans. Uh, you know, at some point they may make it where that whole race is barricaded, that, you know, climb up there is barricaded off, which will take some of the mystique, some of the excitement out of it. But you have a lot of douches up there. There was someone that looked like he was trying to punch, I don't know, punch or push uh, Chris Froome along the way. And, um, you know, hey, look. You can say all you want, uh, you know, and it, go, it goes without saying that there's, you know, the obnoxious American, uh, you know, that they talk about when you go and travel around the world. But uh, when they're spitting, I, like you don't have to like uh, the sky car at all, but when they're spitting on the, the car and they're spitting on the, the riders and they're trying to punch them and they're taking them down. I mean, really? Who's the who's the obnoxious one in this world? All right. What's coming up? Stage 12 to 14, uh, Borgeson to Valence. 169 kilometers. That's tomorrow. It's pretty much, it's got some lumps along the way. There's a cat three, a sprint spot and a cat four should be for the sprinters, but who's the sprinter. So I'm actually going to think that you're going to see a breakaway and probably with that breakaway, you're going to, you know, cause who's going to chase now. You're not going to have quick step chasing unless they think like Rikazi or someone could to take the win. Um, you're not going to have lotto. You're not going to have well, Bora. I mean, Bora Hangler with a, with uh, Sagan, maybe some Saturday. The Saturday will be an interesting one because you have a Cat Four. It's uh, Saint Paul Troy Chateau to Monday Monday. Uh, that's an interesting one that they've finished before. It's this nasty little, I want to say like 4K climb. Oh, 3.3 kilometers at 6.3 percent. 
uh, finishing up to the ski area. I'm not sorry, not the ski area. It's an air air area field, and it's a pretty nasty little climb. They've done it several times. Steve Cummings won up there a few years ago. He was uh, kind of a remnants of the breakaway, and then I think you had Bardet and someone else that caught him. Uh, you've had Jalabert win up there as well. I think they've only finished up there twice. Uh, and then Sunday we have Malou to Carcassonne. Uh, it's got a Cat 3, a Cat 2, Cat 1. And that last Cat 1, 12K point, 12.3K at 6.3%. But then they, they finish off with 30, 30K downhill. So uh, you're probably expecting to see Thomas, unless he just has something really bad, uh, finish up into the rest day, uh, which is Monday. Um, so he should be able to make it through the, he should be able to make it through the weekend and, you know, then we'll, we'll see what we have there. Uh, what's Kurt mad at today? Well, Kurt, Kurt's not here to defend himself and I can only go off of what is going on, 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 uh, messages back and forth today. Um, so I probably shouldn't put any words into his mouth, but, um, he wasn't too happy with the outcome. I think it's just the the boredom of the, the sky uh, the sky train and kind of the way they're racing. You know, I saw in the news because uh, you know all the Nibbly is talking about how the racing is boring and it's just kind of the way there is right now, which I totally understand. So the women they're basically saying we're not that kind of way. Watch us. I think they're right to the most. I mean, you have Bulls Doman that can kind of dominate, but when you saw the climb the other day up to La Rosaire, you didn't see the teams on the front. It was it was this more old school. And it was fun racing to watch. So, you know, I also mentioned the press conference that was a little overboard with the girl that was Cecile that was like fourth place. Uh, if I don't have to endure that, um, hey, maybe maybe you got me. All right. Well, anyway, episode 82, Between Two Wheels podcast. Thanks, for as always, for joining. Uh, subscribe, share the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, whatever podcast service you use for this week. Um, trying to stream this onto Facebook Live, um, but we're going to post it onto uh, YouTube as well. So check us out. Subscribe to our channels. Interact with us on Facebook at Between Two Wheels. And the descriptions will be found in the show notes of the page. With that, enjoy the heat. Enjoy get out racing and riding. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.